It's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. But eat a damn snack. You're like my wife when you get in space. You just get lost. Short steps are better than long steps. That's the only time in your life you're gonna hit short is better than long. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to 614 Headsets, where your host, boys, say hello to everybody. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. The best day of the week right here, baby. Hey, Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love. We're three high school football coaches from the 614 Columbus, Ohio. We couldn't agree more. We consider our show a movement of that lifestyle. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank everybody for the way season two has kicked off. Make sure you subscribe, right? That's one thing we've really been trying to push is growth in season two. We're trying to come out with better content, better guests. We need you to subscribe, though. Subscribe, rate, comment, retweet. Do all those different things that help a show grow. We would really appreciate it for you guys so we can continue doing what we're doing. Want to make sure we talk about our clinic, right? The boys, we have got our first coaches clinic set up. I think we've got around 40, 45 set up for right now of you guys who've registered to come. It is a free clinic, right? We're wanting to do this because we want to grow this game. We want to establish a, a time for coaches to network together and put on the very best clinic we can. I think we've got a great lineup of guests, which we've put out there too. But our clinic's going to be on January 27th. Follow on any one of our social medias to seek more events in terms of who's speaking and details. It's going to be from 10 to 2 with a coach's social afterwards. So make sure you do that and please help register. When you register, it's really just to help us make sure we have everything planned out from a, a food and drink and snack perspective and materials to pass out to you and things like that. I think you were going to talk about how Donnie cheated on us. Donnie did cheat on us. Go ahead, Ryan. Please tell him how Donnie cheated on us. You guys well, are always first. Last night, we log on Twitter and we see Donnie Mac on another podcast mm. and the smile he had on his face is something he's never had on here. No. That's what hurt. In fact, his name badge might say Benedict Arnold tomorrow when this <laughs> premieres. Yeah, You know what? It's more of a YouTube show. This is the podcast, but mm. you guys are first. This is the true content. It's okay. Way to start a college football podcast when college football is over. Yeah, it's more of a reality, but it's, it's been in the makings for all right. Hey, we support you though. We support you. We're gonna retweet it. We're gonna do our thing. Maybe there'll be a little collaboration someday in the future. That could be cool. But I do remember what I was gonna say. What I was gonna say is, if you aren't able to make the clinic, we are going to live stream it right from our uh, YouTube channel as well. So we hope to have as many people as we can in person because we think that's really what this event is best geared towards. But if you're unable to make it, you want to learn and grow alongside us. Make sure you join the YouTube. We'll give you information as we get going. Donovan, tell everybody what we got going on for episode 26 today. We've got a few different topics we're going. we got a hot take section, mainly focused on Ohio State. We'll get into more details here soon. We're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room, literally, with Nick Saban in Alabama, which news broke there. this evening. We're going to talk a little NFL playoffs, see how quickly we think there's the Cleveland Browns will get dumped out of the playoffs. And then... Last topic, which you saw on the YouTube thumbnail, was three things for 2024 that one from each of us that we as coaches want to improve on or focus on or just develop more as we continue to grow as high school coaches um, in this game that we love. So we got a good docket lined up for the evening. 
Hey, before we get started, don't forget that 614 Headsets is brought to you by Fundraising University Ohio. And Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is, is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system will help your team maximize profits. As their current coach himself, Brett Maxwell with Fundraising University will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser. If you're interested in us running a fundraiser for you, please contact Brent Maxwell at the letter B Maxwell at fundraisingtheletteru.net or 740-501-8946 to learn how to get started. Boys, let's get it rocking and rolling. All right. First topic, Sayers, I want to get your input on this. You seem like you might have the most interesting candidates, but Ryan Day talked about that they were going to look to hire a new offensive coordinator, specifically a play caller. They haven't really said like Ryan Hartline's going anywhere, right? Is he reverting back to wide receiver coach? I don't know. The whole thing's a little confusing. But on that short list of people that he brainstormed, who's someone or a name that stands out of Ohio State should absolutely target him because he could change this offense or bring it back to what it – looked like in 2021 or 2022 or even earlier? I would – for me, one guy that I've always loved seeing his offense and watching is Cliff Kingsbury, right? Mm-hmm. If we could get if we could get that guy, he brings a little bit of juice, a little bit of uh, style, flashy, right? His offense is fast. I love the spread offense and how they how he runs it. Um, he does a great job. And it just reminds me of what Ryan Day used to be when he was just the play caller. Yeah, I think for me, like when I think about it is Ryan Day's just gotten so conservative and is scared to call some plays just because now everything falls on his shoulder as a head coach. It's coming back on you no matter what. As an OC, it's still going to go back on the head coach. So you could get a little loose with it. But when you're a uh, head coach and OC, I think he's gotten real conservative because he doesn't want to make a mistake or something big happen. And now it's turned into where he's not doing enough things and he's not making enough big plays and putting enough uh, sauce, I would say, into his offense anymore. I got an interesting take. when it, I just really just dawned on me. And when you think about it, he's, he's obviously known for being a really good quarterback developer and everybody talks about his passing game and things. But is it not so much that he's conservative? Is it the fact that he's lacked creativity that keeps up with other play callers if you look at some of the best offenses today and let's just take two of the hottest ones that that made it to the final you look at washington you look at michigan and you look at what they've done all year it has been about shifts and formations and flops and it's been about line up in this and next thing you know you're in a quads tight bunch type of a thing has Ryan Day gotten conservative in the that side of stuff more than anything else where he's not keeping up with what's really giving defenses trouble nowadays? See, I don't know if he's gotten conservative. People keep saying that, like he's gotten conservative. And I think the one example for me that's in my head of no, because it's so recent, was when they played Georgia just a year ago. And like the the concepts he had, the way he called that game, the way he scripted that game, 41 points against the nation's best defense. And he did it. Almost the, the way he scripted that game, I think he did it 
because he was so thin, like at running back. That was a game where Henderson was hurt. I think Mayan Williams was hurt too. So it was like the freshman. And then I like just converted training him from linebacker, running back. So they're so thin. So their run games already be limited. So he had to do it out of force. And then you look at other games, Michigan this year where they're fully healthy. Michigan last year where they're essentially fully healthy the year before. Oregon, you name it. Like when they're fully healthy, I think he just thinks like, my players are better. I could do whatever I want. Like I could do this. And I don't know if that's just an afterthought for him or whatever it is. But I think the Georgia game was a great example of like when forced, he's got that creativity to him. But then when he got all his players, tightens up a little bit because he's a coward. He just tightens up a little bit. We all know how Donovan truly I'm feels on that about this topic. I think Alabama should absolutely swing for Ryan Day. I think it'd be a great hire. <laughs> you can help him back. Mm-hmm. Bring I, I just back. think that – I think, like, you bringing up the Georgia game, that's a full year ago. We it is, see, yeah. We, we, we didn't get to see that this year. I swear I watched every Ohio State game. I think we all texted about every Ohio State game that was on, right? And yep. every week I think Stout sent messages like, what are we doing on offense, dude? And yeah. at the end of the day, you could go back to that Georgia game and he should have said, okay, cool, this is this worked. Let's just continue to do this no matter who's there. And then it's going to open up the run game for one of the best running backs in the country. You know what See, I mean? Yep. And now there's the other piece, though. Travion Henderson's supposed to come back, right? And, and now – And then we get this Junkins guy, okay? Uh-huh. College football is broken in that matter. There's no reason you got a guy that's a two-time all-SEC guy just transferring to a different school, in my opinion. I think that's just a consistent. But at the end of the day, now you got two running backs that are, are, are dogs, and how much more conservative is the offense going to get now? You're going to just keep trying to feed these guys the ball, and I'm telling you right now, Michigan's defense was not letting us run that pill. And I, and there's a lot of defenses that are I I'm gonna say this Michigan's defense coordinator is a savage. I love that dude. Now watching those couple of games, I hate Michigan with everything in me, but his defensive play calling is phenomenal. And his both, game, both coordinators are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you say. You say you loved watching the offense side of things. I think we watch uh, football a little bit different while we watch these games, but just watching the stunts up front that they were sending at Master. Ohio State at Washington. They're sending blitzes that are essentially just their two. Their guys are going shifting two gaps over, right? They got their tackle and or their nose guy getting to contain. One thing that I think was great by them is just how well, not even just those blitzes up front, but how well that defensive back group was passing off routes. I don't know if you guys watched that, but they do a phenomenal job there. But that's not what we're talking about. I think Ohio State's Ryan Day is scared. I don't think he can really – I don't think he's the guy to call the plays as a head coach. I think he could bring the juice as a head coach if he's just the head coach and not calling plays. I think he would do a way better job at that. But at the end of the day, like you said, what's Brian Hartline doing? How's that going to make this dude feel if he hires a new OC when Brian Hartline was listed as that? I, I don't know. It's a mess, I feel like, in my opinion. So we got Cliff Kingsbury. That's one. Air Raid guy. That's still me. doesn't, that's, still that's doesn't necessarily fix some of the run game, some of the other types of issues we've talked about. What do you got, Donovan? I it wasn't on the list, but Ryan Grubb at Washington. He's the offensive coordinator for Washington. Okay. He was he uh, he actually 
So he was an offensive line coach for most of his career. He was an offensive line coach at Eastern Michigan and recruited me there back in when I was in high school. And so he has an O-line background, like as an O-line coach, run game coordinator, where you get like a healthy balance. Now, like I, I didn't watch Washington for the creativity. You watch me like, oh, it's great offense. But also, let's be real, like you had Michael Penix, you had a first round pick at left tackle or second round pick at left tackle. Three guys that will be drafted, drafted in the top three rounds of receivers. So I don't know how much that offense success was just like everything lined up for them. But I don't know. They did a lot, though. If you watch them compared to a lot of other stuff, like they're lining up in one thing, they're shifting and doing full trades to other stuff. Like they did do a lot of like creative stuff, I think. Yeah. And you got to remember like what they went two years ago, they won only like four games. That was a yeah. pretty fast turnaround by what they did. Yeah. Two years tall tug. It was a really cool list to find, and, and, and we'll. I think there's another guy. Okay, Ryan, we're listening. Oh my! Go God. ahead, my, no, go ahead. I stopped. I want to hear. Oh uh, no, you froze on <laughs> Ryan. Ryan, Jesus, this was pretty interesting to find on there. Ryan talked about Cliff Kingsbury, just to bring up two other names that are on there, like a Joe Brady. If you could talk about a Joe Brady out of the Bills, who was at LSU, um, or a Bill O'Brien. I don't know if Bill O'Brien. Would want to leave, especially when you think of now with Alabama opening up and already being in the building, he might have a great chance at putting his name in for the job there. But there was another interesting name on there, uh, like Dana Holgrinson, a guy that's – I'm not saying I want him. I just was talking about some of the interesting names that were thrown out in one of the articles I read. What about uh, Eric Bieniemy? He didn't – has the success in Kansas City. I think a lot of Redskins fans are like, oh, yeah, Ron Rivera will retire or get fired like he was. And BNM will do well enough. He'll be the next head coach. But he's not going to be the next head coach of the Redskins. He did not do a great job. But he has that proof. I just don't know if he'd go – he'd, quote, unquote, downgrade to college. You know what I mean? Like, I think he wants to be a head coach. And it's like going from OC and Chiefs and Redskins to then Ohio State and then, what, back to the NFL as head coach? I don't know. I don't think it does anything for his goals, like no. that type of thing. I, the, the one person I didn't put on the list that I was looking this up today while I was on my off period in school, not during class. There but you, Ryan. you like that, Stout? I yep. knew you were yep. going to – I got to be careful there. Okay, this is a weird one. This isn't put out there. But, like, I was doing some research, a little bit of just stats and, and players that have been ranked top. Wake Forest offensive coordinator, Will – or I don't know how to say his last name. He, his last three quarterbacks have been all ACC guys, right? And their RPO game has been absolutely fire for the past four, three to four years. And they have done a phenomenal job putting numbers up. And now, obviously, Wake Forest, um, maybe not a big as big school where people want people to come from. But you can't deny the numbers that he's putting up offensively and the players that are getting recognized in the AC for him that are first-team, second-team, all-conference guys. And that last three quarterbacks have been first-team all-AC for him. And that just shows that your RPO game has been very successful. And you got Sam Hartman, right? He was there, was he not? Is that the – or yeah. Hey, broke the records there. Broke the records there. Yeah, broke a ton of records there. And mm-hmm. he, that was the OC there when he was there. And, and that dude did a phenomenal job. I thought he did way better at Wake Forest than he did at Notre Dame, in my opinion. And uh, I think that's a lot of the system – uh, things and Wake Forest is just not a team that we all jump out of our seat for. But I think, in my opinion, stats don't lie, right? It's going to yeah. be pretty interesting because a couple guys got let go today. And uh, when you think about it, uh, I saw something this week that the rumor is to be someone out of the NFL. So we'll see if that's true. 
it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. And like you said, how does that affect Brian Hartline, who's been the golden goose as it, it refers to recruiting and how that maybe changes that dynamic of stuff. So you got Vrabel out there in a the mix and every Columbus person's begging for a return, even though they just won't it give it up. horrible he's, timing. He's not coming back to college football. He's going to stay in the timing. NFL. He needed uh, to stay with the Titans for one more year. Ryan Day goes 10-2 and two or whatever, and then Vrabel's back. He saves Columbus. But no, now it won't matter. Now we'll be in this purgatory forever. Would have been a great story, Lights. I love it. It'll be interesting. I think it'll unfold pretty quickly. I don't think he's going to Mike Vrabel is going to the New England Patriots. I know. Gonna and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt so bad. He's going to go there, and they're just going to sit there like, it's going to hurt so bad. That's a good. That's a good take. He, he looked pretty nasty. He would bring so much toughness back to Ohio State. <clears throat> oh my god. He would look pretty good in some all black Raiders too. I'm not even a Raiders fan, but I can just see Mike Rabel and just Raiders. He might even put on the spiky pads for this press conference <laughs> and everything, Yo, dude. I see that guy. I just, I'm like juiced up. This dude, guy. I guarantee he puts on the spiky pads day one of the press yeah. conference. Paints his whole face. I love every year watching the combine, and this dude's in there with a bag just oh, yeah. drilling cats, dude. Lip, just a whole lip in, just juicing on dudes, hitting them. You know what I mean? Hey, speaking of head coaches, all right, who is the one person, if you had to predict right now, who's the person that's going to take over the Alabama job with Nick Saban retiring? If you had one pick, I know there's a few names, but if push comes to show, and by the way, this is going to happen, this got to happen pretty quick. So, Bama's either going to get real lucky with a great pick and one of their programs is going to get screwed, or Bama's going to sit there and be like, Tommy Reese is the head coach. And you're just be like, oh, boy, this is going to be bad. You put me on the spot, but. Uh, yeah, like I'm sitting here looking at if I'm, in, if I'm in AD, my first call is the Kirby Smart. No, he's not leaving Georgia. Why not? Money talks. He's, he's not leaving. Money talks. He's already been there before. I'm at least picking up the phone. That's all I'm saying. He's you think he's going to answer that call? No, I don't think he answers that call. Everybody no. picks up the phone. No. For no, a job offer, I don't think. I think there are. I didn't say it would happen. I think there's a handful of schools that, if you get that, and you can just determine how you rank them. But I think Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, like USC and Texas. If you're at one of those schools, I don't really think you're gonna mix between the other five or six. Anything else, you're open. Anywhere else, you're open. That's why this I think would be a great time to have guy back on right now you know what it was yeah. called my guy <laughs> but me personally i'm calling the same guy i said before is my favorite head coach dan lanning is yep. leaving oregon coming to alabama that is by far my favorite guy and then second go ahead hate me for it i know hate me for it i'm calling prime yeah. Oh my lord. No way. Not no. Not yet. Ba- no. Alabama will not do that. But it'd be Listen, sweet. Talk about a position I would not want to be in. I would not want to be the coach that has to follow Nick Saban. You no. are you you're already doomed. He's a once in a lifetime Hall of Fame coach. I don't even know if you gotta have some serious cojones to feel confident walking into that job. Bro, you so, got guys that are like people at ESPN. I, I was watching ESPN before we hopped on here. I was eating dinner. You like, what's that dude named Finnenbaum or whatever? Paul, Paul Finnenbaum. Feinbaum. Yeah. Finnenbaum, whatever. That dude is like literally about to cry on ESPN <laughs> talking about Nick Saban. I can't yeah. even lie. He's literally choking up. And I'm like, dang, man, the impact this dude had on 
people, not only as players, not only the game of football itself, but like reporters, man. Like they're, they're I don't know. I just think that dude, you're just not gonna ever get another Nick Saban. And I put it out there on my Twitter right after I saw mm-hmm. the news is he's forever the GOAT. I, I think Dan Lanning is a good choice for Sayers. I think, wait for it, Lane Kiffin is another dark horse name from Bama. No he, way. He, yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be in that running. I think he'll be in that running. Cool. He can bring his 14-year-old girlfriend with him, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, man. All right, Domin, go to the next topic. <laughs> You switch from college football and with that just ending with now the NFL and the NFL topic we got. Not necessarily hot takes, but just storylines, maybe any predictions we got for the playoffs starting this weekend. I know the resident Browns fans here are very excited. I know the my fiance, who's a Lions fan, is just watching hype videos and getting pumped out of her mind. I'm sitting here cheering because the Redskins got the number two overall pick. So another weekend of NFL playoffs for me. But I think if you look at storylines, I don't know about you guys. I think the most interesting one of all of them, or at least like the coolest one, is Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit to play in front of a sold-out Lions crowd where you can't get a ticket for less than 800 bucks, and in that atmosphere. Like the guy who – he didn't build the Lions up, but the guy who kept the Lions afloat for so many years is going back to – potentially beat them in their home stadium. Like it would be, be just, it'd be, I don't know if poetic is the right word. It'd be devastating for a lion. man's going to travel back home and like a wounded dog, like the <laughs> lions are, go ahead and give them the final kiss goodbye. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm calling it now that Stafford ends Detroit's run. I'm nice job getting there, Detroit. Stafford brings it home and just ends. What a terrible way to go out. Uh, the, the worst possible way they could lose after winning the division. And then boom, your guy beats you. Here's my NFL is a tricky subject because I think it is. There is part of it to me that thinks that it is entertainment business. And part of these games are rigged at times. You read these storylines, it's hard to argue. It's hard. Tyreek Hill's going back to Kansas City. You got Mike McCarthy now playing his previous team. So Um, that was the motivation behind this hot take. I was just on, I was scrolling on social media and I was eating breakfast and it was like a whole hot take about the story writers are in. And like you said, we got Tyreek Hill travels back with Miami to Kansas City. Matt Stafford heads back to Detroit. Green Bay Packers travel to Dallas to face old head coach Mike McCarthy. Texas and Browns face off with Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, and you got the Watson trade, right? There's all these things that go on, and it makes you – it does make you wonder, man. It does, and there's no question about – there's a lot of things in the NFL that make me wonder. I can't argue it. It is an entertainment game. You never know, man. Uh, they make so I, much money, they ain't going to tell you. Uh, no, they never will. So who you got in that game, Ryan? What'd you say? Rams versus Detroit. Who you picking? Detroit, dude. I love Dan Campbell. I love I Dan Campbell, too. And I think that if it comes push comes to shove, he's going to pad up at halftime and he's going to be the ball game champion. <laughs> Tyreek Hill 
travels back with Miami to Kansas City. Now, they're saying this could be one of the coldest playoff games of record. They're calling it like at zero temperatures and even in the negative with wind chills. How do we think that's going to fare? How does that shake out? That kills Miami right there. Mike McDaniel ain't built for no snow or cold weather. You see how skinny them uh, ankles are when he got them popping out? They're going to be covered. They're going to be covered in that game. He's not ready for that. He's not. Tyreek Hill is so happy being in Florida, running around in bathing suits and chasing all these women. That dude's got so many kids. I, I started reading something on him the other day. That man is a wild. He's had like, he had like six girls pregnant at one time. Which well, you've is, heard him go on record and say what he would like to do post NFL. Yeah, uh, let's. Like, this is rated PG, Kyle. It's PG. Um, he <laughs> wants to be. He wants to make movies. We'll just put it as that. <laughs> All we have to say. But bro. I'm telling you right now, I just don't think the Dolphins are going to be – unless they go up there all week and practice in that cold weather environment, it is different football. And you guys know Way that. Way different. It's different. Them hits hurt a lot worse when it's cold weather. You feel your fingers is numb. I just think right now Miami's defense is a little banged up, and I like Kansas City's defense a lot more. And you're home in the cold. I'm with you. I don't think Kansas City's offense is very good right now this year. This would be the year I don't think they go all the way to the Super Bowl. I, but, I, but I think that experience gives them another advantage, too. For sure. How, how, how many years in a row now that they've been there and they've played in these situations. Yeah. I'm taking they've Kansas City because of the weather and the defense. That's I mean, what I'm, yeah. I'm going with. I'll go Kansas City. Yeah, I think that's all three. That's a wipe right there. It's Kansas City for sure. What about Packers versus Cowboys? I feel like this one kind of has blowout written all, all over it. Mike McCarthy going back. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like I think the spread is like Cowboys minus eight, which is which hurts. Like Mike McCarthy feels like a very revengeful, spiteful Yinzer. <laughs> like I guarantee, like it, he's the type of guy, and I think we're all that way. Whether you're playing a team you used to coach for, or heaven forbid, somebody maybe you were fired from, he's got that extra motivation he ever needed for that game, and they're already really good. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Packers kind of sneaked in and, and got better by their standards for this year. Uh, but I think you add in the motivation of Mike McCarthy and where they're at defensively and stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with, with Dallas. I think Dak Prescott is also in a must-win situation, right? Um, I think for him, he's starting to teeter on the Tony Romo side of things, right, from this past few years. He's, he's starting to get the label yes. that Tony Romo used to have, right? And, and I hope to God he doesn't go out there and fumble a, f- uh, a field goal snap. And here's the thing. I love Dak Prescott. I saw Dak Prescott get jumped in a bar down in spring break when we were down in PCB. So I still feel for him for to this day when he was at Mississippi State. We were all at the same like nightclub down there. Boys help him? Bro, I, I was just far away from it and just saw a big melee going on. And then we found out it was Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott the next day when we got on like Twitter and all that. He's running with the wrong cats. He's running with the wrong cats if he's getting jumped to spring break. Yeah, it was a little wild. But I that won't to- happen in today's NIL times. I'd be taking no, all my offensive security. linemen with me. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. I'd be private security. I'd be paying for my offensive linemen to come with mm-hmm. me. It would never happen in today's world. I just think though, Dak's in a must-win situation. All jokes aside, he's starting to get that label. I listen to the talk radio on the way to work every morning and. That's what they talk about, right? Like, is he going to ever get it done? Nope, he won't. Cowboys are always the Cowboys, and they'll find a way to fail at some <laughs> point. Cowgirls, baby. But I think they'll win, unfortunately, this game. I do, too. But, 
All right, Texans and Browns, the two resident Browns fans. Listen, I'll give my thoughts first. Go ahead. You give yours first. I don't – again, I've said this before to people. I grew up around Steelers, Bengals, and Browns fans, so I grew up to hate Steelers, Bengals, and Browns as as teams just because I heard so much about them. But I will say it has been fun with so many of my close friends. Being Browns fans this year, watching like how they thought their season was done, and now they're – what are they, 11 and 6? Like with actual real chances to do something in the playoffs. Like it's not crazy to say the Browns are Super Bowl contenders. They are. But I just got this weird feeling. Yeah, which is crazy. I just have this weird feeling. It's like, all right, like this, what they've had with Flacco, what they've had the past, call it eight weeks, has felt a little like magic. And it's like, all right, like when does that magic run out? I don't know if it runs out against a rookie quarterback, but I don't know. I just feel like that bottle is going to be empty here real soon. I feel like they're playing on with house money right now. I'm going to say three things. I still think they win. I'm going to say three things. One, my three-year-old daughter now, does the here we go brownies chant? I've never been so excited in my life and happy, and she loves it. So Xavier you, does it too, baby. It's could, could, hey, we gotta take both them to a game sometime, and when they get just a little bit older, that'd be a blast. It would be right. It is a blast right now to go here we go. I love it, man. So that's number one. Number two, it feels a little bit like when the Bengals started to peak at the right time. They played mm-hmm. really good defense. Their offense was good or getting better as it went. Obviously, I know it's a little bit different like from a talent perspective, but they were getting hot at the right time, right? You can't deny that. So I think we got that going for us. You said it yourself with the magic comment, all right? And then number three for me is I think it's in typical Browns fashion. The Browns are going to go up. They're going to let the Texans back in. And it's going to be a wild, like, final four to six minutes in the fourth quarter because that's typical Browns football. And we could be a dark horse. I really think we could. But I do think we're going to be in for a ride at the end of that game in, in typical cardiac kids fashion. Yeah. I, I've i lost a lot of lives off my – or years off my life just watching Browns games. And I think you're a lot older than me. I definitely feel like you feel the same way. But what I will say is – First, let's kill the talk about Stefanski not being a great coach. This to man, me, this was a prove it year. Yeah, I'm with you. It was a yeah, prove it year. You go with you have five quarterbacks start throughout the year. Now one last week that doesn't really count just because we threw him out there, right? You could have started PJ Walker, but we set a record with five starting quarterbacks throughout a season to be 11 and six and do that and have that. And then you're missing Nick Chubb. I can go. We can go on forever. Everybody knows that they're. It's just been a crazy year, and I think Stefanski has done an exceptional job of adjusting his play calling and adjusting his team to be able to put them in a position to win these games. And what I'm going to say is I think – I don't even call him Joe Flacco. I call him Jesus Flacco around my house. That that guy, hey, that's everybody. That's who we needed right there. That's the – I wish I could – we talked about the one time, like, who we would get – drinks with or who we'd hang out with now it's just like straight up for me jesus flacco i want to get drinks with him and the dude fell asleep on the sideline like i was just gonna say that (laughs) that social media was shredded him for that that was hilarious that's how you know he's just like a dad out there slinging the rock like he should really just be sitting on the grill in the backyard watching some of these playoff games be hopped up and that dude obviously 
He has it, man. He does. He, he makes some throws that are impressive. And then our receiving core has done a great job. I just don't see them beating us. But CJ Stroud has had a hell of a year. Let's just say that, though. He hey, has. Let me ask this. I don't know if the Browns have like their own like ring of honor or like team Hall of Fame or something. But let's just go crazy and say Browns win the Super Bowl this year. Flacco keeps playing the same way he plays. Browns have to put him in like their ring of honor, right? You have to, Without do, that. A doubt. <laughs> you have to do that. For you sure. have to build a statue of him. You have to. I will go there and build a statue myself. No, no, I no, 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 a fountain, Flacco fountain. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, That's I got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? I got a little like Flacco that. fountain. I like it. But his eyes got to be closed, though, in it because he fell asleep yeah. on the sideline. All right. I think this would be a great time to put this on record. And, and this wasn't on the script right now. Who's the Super Bowl? Who's winning? 49ers versus Ravens. And the You're going both top seeds all the way to the end? I think both those teams are pretty good. I look at the NFC, I'm like, something wrong with the Eagles. They're not, I don't think they're making it through. Hurts, it looks like he's a little banged up too. Cowboys and the Cowboys, like, I don't think, I don't think they'll make it there in the end. And then like, the Lions, like, the Lions got a chance, but. I don't 49ers is just so complete. And then there's the Ravens. Like Ravens, I feel like this is the best. I'm trying to remember like past records or offenses with since Lamar's been there, but I feel like this is like their most dominant team since Lamar Jackson has been there. I think Lamar Jackson is due for a Super Bowl in some point in his career. And I don't know if it'll be this year. I think 49ers would end up taking it if it was whoever they play, but they, even if they play the Ravens. Ryan. I, I think the 49ers have to win the NFC. There's no doubt about it. I was just about to say the same thing. Eagles are just a something wrong. No, I feel it doesn't feel right when I watch them, but then they end up winning some games. Like it's weird to me. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right when I watch them. And they lost their big security guard on the sideline for whatever reason. <laughs> I forget. I was watching this. Uh, I was watching. You got video. into that tuffle with the other guy. Yeah. So and, the player. And they've been struggling ever since they lost the big fella. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the 49ers are definitely going to be in. It's tough to stop them. And then I also, I, I got to go to the Browns, man. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I have to. Yeah, I yeah. think we beat the, I think we beat the Ravens like in the postseason. I think we do. I think we pull it out. Man, I hate to say it. I'm with, I'm looking at the bracket in front of my face right now. And like, I like the Niners. I like the Niners on their side. The only thing can be Dallas. You know what I mean? It is, uh, if Dallas doesn't fumble, I'll take the Niners on that side. On the other side, man, I hate to say it. I want to be different just because you guys were different. Ah, screw it. I'll go Kansas City versus yeah. the Niners. And yeah. the Niners finally get it done. Just yeah. to be different. It's so hard. I don't want, I, But I could see Baltimore and see other things. I think that's what's fun. What I like I will the be most about if Kansas City gets in, because I'll see so much Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl that I oh. will literally not watch the Super Bowl. Sorry, just cut you off, Kyle. But <sighs> I will be fun. so mad. <laughs> it's so easy to say Baltimore and stuff, but I don't know. It's just so hard because the NFL playoffs are just so different, and that's when I feel like teams turn it on a lot, one way or the other. And uh, I could see it going to a lot of those teams at the top, and. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Browns play really good football. Like they could go all the way to an AFC type championship and you never know because their defense is that good. Like in the NFL, you're going to be there if you take care of the ball 
you play really good defense and you capitalize on things coming your way. Well, that's what the Browns are doing right now with the best defense in the league or one of the best. So they got a great chance. The only thing that would hurt them is mistakes. But I think we've cleaned up some of those mistakes as Flacco's played longer and longer with players in the system. So like where we're going. Yeah, it's all fair. I, I think Baltimore's just – their defense is nasty too. They they fly around. They play great football. Lamar is a dog. I just point blank. But, hey, if Flacco wins the Super Bowl, do we keep him? Or do we get rid of him and get Deshaun? Do we try to extend it? or Keep get, him. Keep get rid of him. I've said it on here all the time how a just terrible deal that was. Huh? Oh, the worst uh, deal ever. But I think, too, what we're, we're saying, you can't discredit, too. Who's the OC for – is it Munkin for Baltimore? Is it Todd? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't yeah. discredit what that guy's done. That guy goes to Georgia, does a really good job there. I know he's done in the NFL good before, too, but now he goes there and really gets things going over the top for Baltimore. So I know both those coordinators are hot tickets, too. Well, you want to talk about a storyline, both Harbaugh brothers winning the championship would be a kind of great storyline if we're talking entertainment purposes because you saw him go give Jim a hug in the middle of the game there, Mm -hmm. right before it or in the middle of it. That would be, and then now I could see them flashing Jim going and giving John a hug, and yeah. and then they play each other again in the NFL. Mm. Yeah, Dobbin, last one. Let's coach. roll, man. <laughs> All right, so this brings us to our final topic or the main topic for the evening. And it's the start of a new year. It's that time where everybody talks about their resolutions and puts their focus on what they want to do better and, and, and just get things rolling. So I thought we'd come up with an episode about three things for 2024. And I took it a little bit, at least on my end, about something I'm working on that I have a goal to do as a coach, but also something I thought that might be beneficial for another coach out there too. All right. And so the one thing I've wanted to make my focus here in the next month or so is to go back and use the data to break down every situation we had in games from this season. If I can get to the point of doing two seasons in a row, even better. But I got the topic idea from Andy. Is it uh, Kotel Nikki? What is it? What, what is it, Domin? The new OC oh. at Penn State from Kansas. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't pronounce his last name, though. No. Andy K. I didn't yeah. have time to look you up, Andy K. It's a busy life. I'm sorry. But uh, he had a whole clinic on game planning in which what he did is they had it. They went back all these years and they broke down every game, every call and situation. And then they used those averages to build their game planning and their practice planning. And I've seen something like this in the past. I actually have it saved. I have an example from Wyoming in which they talked about third and one for them was one to two calls. Third and two to three, it was about three and four. Red zone average 15 to 17 plays per game. But what I liked about Andy is he had it broken down into averages. It wasn't just these big things. He had it, hey. On third and eight and 12, we had 2.9 plays per game. On third and four and seven, we had 4.1 per game. And they used that then to really focus on what they were going to put their time into. And so I firmly believe as a play caller, those key situations are everything. Being prepared to win, red zone, goal line, backed up, it's fourth and one. All of those nitty-gritty things, the better you're at in those situations make the difference. And I've said this before a long time. When I first came to Columbus, a coach said to me that here – you know, games are won, uh, games are lost, not won. 
because there's so much good talent, so much good coaching. You can count on one hand many times the the snaps or things that maybe lost you a game, right? And a lot of that came down to some type of key situation. And so for me, I, I've, that's what I want to do. I want to go back and I want to actually put that to the test and see how many calls we had in those situations throughout the last season uh, and then use that to be like, okay, um, are we spending too much time coming up with six, seven, eight in this category or that? And, and do we even have time to practice all of those? And maybe that helps us be more efficient in our practice time and, and, and execute better. On a personal note in 2024, I'm really just trying to t- take better care of myself as a coach. Uh, many years I have. This past year was the worst. There are a lot of different circumstances around it. But any of you listening, if you want the picture of the call, the, the sheet I have from Wyoming that breaks it down, or if you're interested in seeing the same clinic I had, it, it's on Coach Tube. It's called Developing Offensive Game Plan by Andy K. That's my little nugget for 2024 for everybody. I like that. I think just being intentional with those things is just mm-hmm. so important, though. You know what I mean? And, and developing your practice plans, like you said, and not really just in-game, I think, throughout the week of getting your kids in that mentality and be mm-hmm. able to put them in those situations and practice is key. And that was something me and my, my defensive coordinator today, we met. Um, Coach Steph, he, he's a phenomenal dude. He needs just a straight animal on the board, right? Like he writes he the all 22 breakdown, do whatever. He's, he knows what he's doing. And that's something we talked about is being more intentional with our huddle stuff, as in being able to look at third downs and, and red zones and all those things to be able to game plan for our blitz game or our coverage, everything, right? And just being a lot more intentional this year. So I, I loved reading and seeing your stuff on the script today because we're yeah. literally meeting as I'm filling this out. And I don't know if – I don't know about it from a defense perspective, but I know offensively we we break down all of these categories and we have a scout. We have a coach's scout sheet where different guys are responsible for different things. And I obviously look at it all. Big thing I put a lot of time into this past year was P and 10 starting your, your opening series and the data behind getting that first down the the times that led to points more often than not. And so that was, I focused a lot on explosive plays and P and 10 and a lot of the other down and distances things too. This is one I want to look back and say, okay, we had this as an average, but yet we were practicing, writing down and, and, and doing all this on the call sheet. And I think we could trim two or three out of here to really focus us all up together. And I agree. P and 10 is huge from defense and offensive standpoint. Like we talked about that, my OC this year, which did a great job for us. He, he was real intentional with our first down at our P and 10 plays and making sure that we get positive yards there. Cause years in the past, we have started first and 15 with a false start or first and 12 with the, or second and 12 with getting pushed off the line on a running play, but making sure you start that drive off in the right note. So I agree with you there. Stout. Those are, that's a great point. P and 10. I've never heard that phrase before. Possession like, and 10. Your possession opening possession Sorry, of a yeah, new drive. Oh, I get it. You guys, are Honey, grow old, up. you guys are the old dogs. I get it. That's fine. So let me get this straight. This <laughs> he, was on the he, just, he just sold <laughs> himself to you. I'm out. Never, this I'm never time out. Don't walk yourself out of this one. This was on the scout sheet. For 13 weeks, and you're just now asking what P and 10 meant? 
truthfully, I think I might have, if I remember seeing it, I might have. Like no, I thought he might have put like a typo or something. Like, should have just said first and 10. And I'm like, ah, like, leave him alone. Donovan, I think this is a great segue into what your 2024 thing is. So go ahead. <laughs> well, and for one of those things, for one <laughs> Ryan, you can tell they did a great job filling out page two of the scout sheet. I'm so sorry, you had but to remind us. after that was the best thing of his disappointment in you just now, Donnie, as his O-line coach. I think we figured That's out funny. what one of the highlights is going to be for this week. Yeah. Sayers, he, he had to get on us to fill out page two a couple of times. We didn't realize there was a second page, all of us, but we got that correct. That, you're worse than my students in class. They just don't turn the page over. I'll give you guys mine. I the like it's one main thing, but the the first thing I wanted to at least point out was learning more for me personally. Like learning more about the the concepts in the game planning of the offense side of the ball itself. So like understanding concepts of wide receivers, like understanding like what every little bits and pieces, not necessarily what it is, but like understanding why this route is being called against this type of defense in this scenario. Go ahead. Understanding what P and 10 means. Exactly. This is a great segue. This is a great segue. Yes. So we're already at step one and we'll go from there, but just, I want to be a little more well-rounded with, I love coaching a line, but I want to be a little more well-rounded with the offensive side of football. But the main thing I put on here was from me personally, the coaches and my players and my unit is being able to, develop my players at individual level a little better. I think it's hard for coaches to get the amount of time that they always get or try to want to get throughout the season. Cause once the summer is done, you're into game planning or you're into like, these are my starting five, like for a line at least, or these are my starting three or four for D line. Like, I got to work on this and we got to get this better as a unit or prep for this specific type of team. And you don't get to work specifically or as much time to their individual needs. And I think when I was in college, one of the things my O-line coach did a great job of the job of that I want to try and mimic a little bit is throughout the off season, by the time we got to camp and to the season, he would always, he would do a really good job coaching individually. So he was on tune with what your improvements need to be, what your weaknesses were. And he would make it a focal point of doing drills that would touch on everybody's weaknesses and get you to think about, okay, even when I'm not doing this drill, like when I'm doing this specific play and I'm on the man side of a pass pro, like I know I need to work on X. So I'm going to specifically focus on X on that play. And if I get beat or whatever, like in practice, like whatever, but I'm working on that main weakness or that big correcting point, just so I can fully, I don't know if, if tap in or just understand or, or drag the unit better, drag the unit higher up but just so that every individual needs can be touched on so that by the time I do stuff in the regular in the season, when it starts, you can have a little more cohesiveness. Like, all right, like we're doing one drill. It doesn't apply to everybody, but you can focus on the thing you need to focus on that you've been preparing for working on the whole summer, whole week of camp, whatever that may be. I think it's tough though. Coaches don't get a lot of time. Once you get into the season, it's like, what are you going to do? You got an hour and a half of practice. You're doing team for half that time. You're doing seven on – or you're doing one-on-ones or whatever it may be. That, you're, that's a fact. You don't have that much time. Every time we're in June, I swear to God, that's my coaches. I'm like, ah, oh, we're in June. We got plenty of time, boys. We're yeah. in a great spot. July, I'm yeah, like, all right, it's July. You guys, we're in a great spot. And then August rolls around, and I'm like, 
running around with my head cut <laughs> off. And my, my coaches are like, you do it every year where you're like, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. And then August comes around and you're just like a spaz. And, and it's just like the nature of coaching and it's just wanting to win and being competitive. And I think as a young coach, man, Donnie, like that's true. Like you're in your second year, you were in your second year this year of coaching and you don't know everything. We just, I don't know everything. Stout don't know everything. And it's just learning the game and like being open. And I think like the biggest thing, and I talk to young coaches and even older coaches about this all the time is I think that when you're an OC, a DC or head coach, you do have to have little bit of an ego but also have enough humbleness in yourself and in your work that you're going to have be able to ask people things that you don't know and ask those questions right and, and not be afraid to change things but like, what you don't know you don't know right yep. and like, none of us came out the womb knowing all this stuff that we know no, no one came out knowing what pn10 was they had to ask they had to figure it out <laughs> Now, by the, I think one thing you do is you set a goal for yourself. I am just, still kicking. I'm, I'm not going to let this so thing go for a long Dude, time. I'm so sorry. I have never laughed so hard on this podcast <laughs> where I've been in tears before, but yeah. man, you did it there. I just think if that's a serious goal, you, you got to look at what do I want to know? You got to feel comfortable in that you really your offensive line stuff well enough, right? So you might take this off season and you, you might take a couple of weeks to say, Hey, I want to learn more about wide receivers. I might, yeah. I, I want to learn more about quick passing game concepts or dive into the air raid, or I, I don't know what it is, but that's what I've had to do over the years is I've dove in to say, okay, I'm not as sharp as wide receivers as I, I need to be or should be. And so for the last couple of years, a bunch of my off season stuff has been X's and O's schematics, just, pure play schemes on certain types of play concepts and all my extra time has gone into wide receiver skills and development yeah. and fundamentals. Because for me, that was like the one piece of, okay, I needed to be able to help there when I needed to help there and, and be able to do things well. And so that's what I focused on the last two years myself. It, and I'm going to agree. And I'm going to add in with you, Kyle, right there on this point. I think me and you are very similar in the fact that we, love the front up front, right? I love D-line, you love O-line. And that's what naturally draws me, right? I mm -hmm. love watching stunts up front. I love sitting there watching a clean tee happen on an offensive lineman or a nice little, like Michigan ran what we call flood at Northland, where you got two big sticks from your front side and then your uh, nose is wrapped around for contained and they got home um, twice on that. And, and I love watching that stuff. But for me, when I became a head coach is, Bro, I knew the front seven. I knew what we wanted to do. I didn't know it all. Like, I still struggled with some alignment stuff on the hip stuff and maybe the fib formations with formation to the boundary with trips and trips bunch and all those different things, right? I struggled really at the beginning. And I, I had enough knowledge to get us through. But then Coach Steph, man, he's just helped me so much with the back end of things and helping me get our back end right on passing things off, on spinning and rolling down when we're sending blitzes to get us into our, to stay in our three, three under and how it just makes more sense. And then if we're yanking the chain and uh, when people are motioning and how we're doing those things. But I definitely think for me, I didn't, I would, I can't say that I was two years ago comfortable enough to even walk out to my own practice and, and correct my DBs in, in a comfortable uh, position because I didn't know enough. And now last year was like, I, I, that's all I really watched. I dug into all just DB work and it helped me so much this year. Like just when some things would happen and then you now know boom, that was where 
my safety was supposed to be there or my star was supposed to carry that. Hey, that guy pressed him to eight. He's supposed to run with it, right? He, he got a vertical route, all those little things. And just like Kyle, that's for him for receivers, right? We're similar in that sense. We just are naturally upfront guys in the box guys. And we knew a lot there, but then now expanding my horizons to that. And now we're trying to expand more mm-hmm. on what we're going to add next year on, on third down checks and trips checks and things like that from the back end. So I agree, but for me, I'm going to go on to my point and my one thing, and it's not really, I, I would say it's not really schematic, right? It's not anything like that. I, I just think that we can get so much better with my guys holding each other accountable um, and, and not the coaches having to do it. So I watched an interesting YouTube on a coach tube thing, and it was a, a coach talking about, how they have their guys grade each other during off-season workouts. And if you're really bought into the program, are you giving this relentless effort? What's your grade? One out of 10. And so he matches guys up, right? you got this partner for two weeks, okay? And now you're going to grade that guy for two weeks and you're only doing your workouts with him, okay? Like when you're doing partner stuff, he's at your bench, you guys are working together. How much did that guy make you better? And that's the true point for me because – I thought that resonates so much with me because I tell my kids all the time, leaders aren't people that go first. Leaders aren't people that are the loudest. Leaders aren't people that are the strongest. Aren't the be- Leaders are not the best skilled guys. Leaders are the guys, and this is my, this is, I firmly wholeheartedly believe this, leaders are guys that get the guys next to them to a place they couldn't get themselves, right? And so if you're holding the guy next to you accountable and you're doing those things, how much better can your team be when it's not the coaches always doing that? Right. And so what we did just these past two days at lifting, right. We've had 35, 40 kids already at our first uh, two lifts, which has been great for us as a city school, right. That's astronomical numbers at a city school. And for us, if you're not yelling or work at the guy you're working out with or the guy next to you, I send you on a bear crawl tour. I call it a tour where you go around the school and, and you you tour the place. Go take a look at it. Figure it out. Look at what it looks like. <laughs> take a tour of the school. And so I, I, you better be cheering your guy on. And it's not really getting on them in a negative. If they get on each other in a negative way, guess what? You're going to take a tour too. Go tell me what's the, what locker numbers are in that hallway. And that's just – what we do over there. And and we've gotten to the point now where we've set that standard. If you come in one minute late, you're sent home. You might as not, don't waste my time. And now our kids, dude, it's so cool. I, I had our uh, principal set the bell schedule to where, yeah, bells ring at two 30. Everybody's out. There's also a, a bell at two 40. So they know, all right, now I got five minutes to be, have my shoes on ready. There's a bell at two 45. When that bell rings at two 45, that orange door shuts in the weight room. And if you ain't there, go home. And now I got kids sprinting. I'm talking about sprinting through the halls, straight down to the weight room, like out dying out of breath. Like we didn't want to get to home. We didn't want to get kicked out, coach. I sorry, we were doing da 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 da. And it's not me doing it through the halls. It's literally me hearing our guys. Don't be late, coach. Sarah's gonna send you home. Don't be late, coach. Sarah's gonna send you home. And, And that's the piece that we've wanted. And just seeing that in the two days when we've implemented this and made them cheer for each other has been great. And now we're going to put it on paper, right? Now we're going to put it to a scale and we're still working with that because we have a new uh, strength conditioning coach that we are blessed to have. He's a phenomenal dude. Uh, coach Baker does a great job, but me and him are going to work on a grade sheet to where our guys grade each other. Are you giving relentless effort in every single thing you do? 
Are you coming every day with consistency? Are you here every day? Do you miss workouts? All those things that are going to get us to the next level that you want to see from your team. And you don't want to have to continuously yell as a coach. You want your guys to do that. And that's the piece that I think that we can continue to get better at is the self-reflection piece from our players and them looking at each other and being able to tell each other, no, bro, you have not been living up to our standard. You have not been living up to what we said we would do in this weight room every single day, no matter what, because guess what? We've won the city two years in a row, right? You guys have won your OC two years in a row, right? And so for us, it's a lot harder to stay at the top than to get to the top. And it's 10 times harder to stay there three years in a row than it ever was two years in a row, right? Mm -hmm. You have to work just that much more because I'm going to tell you what, every team you guys play is going to give you their best shot. Every team that we play next year across our league is going to give us the best shot, right? And going to give us everything because they want to beat us. They want to beat the guys that have been at the top. And so we have to take off-season workouts to the very next level. And that's really where I feel like I'm focusing more on this off-season. What all applies to when when season starts, practice and games, everything you're talking about. What would you say? I said everything you're talking about applies right through from the off-season like it's all culture talk and it all applies like to the football field once practice actually starts, once games actually start. And that's what we want to do too is like during the season is do that more reflection piece, kind of something Wes talked about last week of, of like words, but we want to take it to that next level. And it's something that I've been thinking about since starting our off season workouts and over Christmas break is how we're going to get there. And as a head coach, that's my spot now. You know what I mean? Like I got an OC, I got a guy that calls my defense or helps me call the defense. Um, and my job is to get us to that next level of being able to be consistent and stay at the top. I love the idea. You have to tell us how it goes. Reminds me a little bit of what Ohio State did there when Urban Meyer was there and grading everybody and the, the mat drills and things. And so I love it. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Sayers, come on, man. Wrap it up. Let me get a drink because I was laughing too hard at Donnie. Bro. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey. Everybody, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe. We love having you guys on. We got You guys got a little bit of a take from some college football, some NFL football, and then something from us. And what we want to take away, this was just a great episode to hop on, be more chill, and just be us three um, heading into two weeks before the clinic. I think that you guys have a great opportunity as our listeners and stuff to come to a great clinic that has some great speakers at a great spot with some great guys. And it's free 99 Okay, that's what I keep telling everybody. And I had somebody hit me up yesterday, like, how do I register or pay? You don't. You just go sign up on that Google sheet. You put your information in just so we know how many little snacks and folders and little goodies we can get you guys. Stout's like the Santa Claus all year round. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But hey, because I'm saying too many of y'all show up and you didn't register and you're complaining because you ain't got a seat. I'm going to put my arms up like this. Like, all right. Walk ups are welcome, but come on now. But we also have 40 plus people already signed up, which is a For phenomenal sure. thing, which is going to be great. And, and it's just football clinic for coaches by coaches. Right. And we just love it. We love what we do. Make sure you guys right now, if you're a head coach listening to this and you're a program leader and you're in charge of fundraising, contact my guy, Brent Maxwell at Fundraising University. Ohio and make sure you guys get a hold of him and reach out and see what he can do and offer you for your program to make it that much better and get your kids that much more stuff and make sure that you 
reach out to him with a plan as well and when you're going to do it, right? That was the one thing that I messed up with Brent. I was like, hey, come on in. Like, no, have a plan, and he's going to get you set up. That dude does a phenomenal job. And tell him what your goal is, what you're trying to get, because he's going to get you there. He's going to make sure it happens. But other than that, so much love for our listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. I can't wait to get on the next episode. Peace.